Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. It's on page 1077 in your pew Bible underneath the row in front of you if you do not have a Bible with you. Acts chapter 1, 1 through 11. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me, but John baptized with water, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let us pray. O Lord, continue to speak to our hearts as we walk through your word together. Bless us as we reflect upon the presence of the ascended Lord in heaven with you and as we seek to live by the Holy Spirit whom you and the Son have sent to us, that we may live the lives in Christ and for Christ that you have created us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All of us live by multiple calendars. We may have one central calendar that we carry with us in our phones or place on the, uh, on the refrigerator, but all of us have multiple calendars within which we organize our lives. The largest one that all of us uh, experience is that of the creational calendar. God made the seasons. Uh, Winter, spring, summer, fall here in Huntington, we've chosen to go straight from winter to summer. Maybe we'll get to spring at some point along the way. But all of us live within this rhythm that God has built into creation, the rhythm of the seasons. In our culture, for A hundred years or so or more, we in society, this particular society, have lived according to the school calendar. Certainly, uh, students, teachers, and families live according to that calendar, but all of our culture is shaped by it. Our uh, church calendar, annual calendar, is shaped in many ways by the school system. Businesses, retail, all sorts of uh, elements of our community Uh, live in many ways influenced by the school calendar. And then the school calendar harkens back to a day, goes back to a day when we were more of an agricultural society, living according to the rhythms of, of, of planting and of harvest. These rhythms, these calendars change over time, of course. 
Uh, if you're a sports fan, you know the sports calendar. You might arrange your year based on baseball season, football season, basketball season, hockey, soccer, whatever your sport may be. And then there are other activities of dance and music and drama. All of these things have some kind of seasonal rhythm and they impact the calendars that shape our lives. Not to mention uh, homecomings, uh, family reunions, anniversaries, birthdays. These give shape to who we are. We, as as a society, as as Americans, enter into uh, today uh, a period of the year in which uh, there are four major holidays. They have their counterparts in other parts of the world, but we do them well here. And they have particular meaning for us. Four special days that acknowledge things that we value. Today being Mother's Day, we honor our mothers. A couple of weeks, Memorial Day. We remember those who have given their lives, uh, sacrificed their lives through the armed service in service to our country. And then after that, in June, there's Father's Day as we honor our fathers. And then the 4th of July as we celebrate our independence as a nation. One way of looking at our calendaring is to say we arrange our lives around things that we value, things that we hold, people that we hold dear. And thus, this particular day, Mother's Day is a way of saying we value, we treasure, we honor, we recognize how central to each of our lives are mothers. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers with us. We value you, we treasure you. This sense of arranging a calendar based on things that we value point us then to the Christian calendar the calendar through which we acknowledge the one we value above all, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Early on, first couple of hundred years of the church, the church fathers and mothers put forth, put together a calendar that if we follow it throughout the year, we will have walked through, we will have remembered, we will have rehearsed the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus all of the activities of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in giving us salvation and in redeeming the world. The year begins with Advent, weeks of anticipation as we put ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites as they long for the Messiah. And then Christmas, the season of Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ beginning December 25th for 12 days. Our society celebrates Christmas from just after the beginning of October and into December 25th, 60 days and beyond. But we, as we celebrate Advent and then move into Christmas, have that focus on the birth of Jesus for 12 wonderful days. Then January 6th, Epiphany begins. We celebrate the light of Christ. John saying the light is the life of all people. We celebrate Jesus as the light. The season of Lent, we prepare ourselves to remember and better understand the crucifixion of Jesus and confess our sins in the process. It's a 40-day season plus Sundays modeled after Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness tempted by Satan. And then Holy Week in the midst of that season, uh, Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. And then Easter arrives. And we celebrate the glorious good news that Jesus Christ is alive. He's risen from the dead. And then, and then our passage today 
gives us the next stage in the season, gives us the chronology. Acts, Luke says in Acts that Jesus appears to the disciples as the risen Lord for 40 days and then is taken up into heaven. 40 days from our celebration of Easter was this past Thursday. And so today, Ascension Sunday, we remember the Ascension. And then 10 days after that, at the festival of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And so next week we celebrate the coming of the Spirit. And then for the rest of the year after Pentecost, the season of Pentecost called Ordinary Time, we reflect upon all that God has done in the life of the people of Israel, the life of Jesus. And we immerse ourselves in who we are called to be as followers of Christ and who Jesus is for us. It is my hope for myself and for us that even as all of these other wonderful aspects of these other calendars shape our lives, that we will, as time moves on, become more and more shaped by this church calendar, Christian year calendar that immerses us in the life of Jesus. Our passage helps us do just that. Look at verse 1. In the first book, Theophilus, this is Luke, who also wrote Luke's Gospel, I wrote about all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. All that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. It is our privilege, it is our calling, it is something urged upon us as followers of Jesus that every day of our life we reflect upon and apply and seek to grow as we think about all that Jesus did and all that He taught. And the Christian year enables us to do that, gives us structure in doing that. It's a, it's, it's a lifelong quest. It's a lifelong journey. Uh, Jack and Mary and Jean and Elaine and I were talking at breakfast this morning about Dr. Allen, a former pastor at Winter Park Baptist Church who he and his wife went on to be missionaries in Guatemala, retired, came back to Winter Park. Uh, when Dr. Allen would get up to teach from the New Testament, he would have his Greek. He, he, he forgets more than most of us know about the New Testament. And one of the most special moments for me in my relationship with Dr. Allen were those occasions when after a service or after a Bible study or Wednesday night dinner, he would pull me aside with a twinkle in his eye and he would say, I noticed something new in John's Gospel today. Or he would say, wow, I never knew this is what Paul was saying when he wrote this in Philippians. In his 80s, still learning, still growing. It's a rhythm that we enter into every day of our life and every year as we follow the calendar, as we immerse ourselves, as Luke says in verse 1, in all that Jesus did and taught from the beginning. He talks about, uh, Luke does, after his suffering, the phrase after his suffering in verse 3. We particularly reflect upon the suffering and the crucifixion of Jesus during the season of Lent. It was a, uh, just a, 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 a thrill, a, a wonderful moment when at a, a recent meeting of the Guy and Dot Association pastors meeting, I was talking with Trent Eastman over at uh, New Life Baptist. And, and we were reading the same book during Lent. Fleming Rutledge's The Crucifixion. It's this really thick book that's fairly easy to read. But she's an Episcopal priest who dives into every aspect of the crucifixion of Jesus that she can think of. And she leads us and she teaches us. And that's what we as followers of Jesus are called to do throughout the year and throughout the years. 
reflecting upon the suffering. And then upon the resurrection, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. And then today, we reflect upon the ascension. We'll do that in more detail in just a moment. But we reflect upon what the ascension means for our faith or what it says about Jesus. And then today, we enter more specifically into that waiting time as we wait for the Holy Spirit to come. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples in verses 4 and 5, this is what you've heard from me. The Holy Spirit will come. John baptizes water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The Spirit is with us from the moment we embrace Jesus, but in the rhythm of this church calendar, we celebrate specifically the coming of the Spirit next Sunday, and we are invited beginning now to put our shoes and put our feet in the shoes of the disciples as they waited for the coming of the Spirit, as they anticipated, as they most likely were anxious, didn't know what this was going to be like. But they trusted Jesus and they eagerly waited following Jesus' instructions for the Spirit to come. We'll celebrate that next week, this week, this week we wait. The, the church year, that particular calendar, it brings us into Jesus' birth, his, his life, His death, His resurrection. Today, His ascension. And it is a, a wonderful way for us to be drawn into all that Jesus did and said and suffered and gave for us. So this passage speaks of God's perfect timing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But it also speaks of another element of God's timing, and that is pointing us towards something that has not happened yet. Most of the church year points us behind, back to what Jesus has done, but there's also an element that keeps us looking forward. Look at what the disciples say. Hear what the disciples say in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, is this the time when You will restore the kingdom to Israel? And then after Jesus ascends to heaven, verse 11 says, the the angels say, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus promises to return. Jesus promises to come back, a second advent, in which he will fully establish God's kingdom and all will be as God longs for it to be. Scriptures are full of images about this. There's the image, the images of judgment that Jesus speaks of in His parables of judgment. The nations being judged, all being judged based on what they have done. Matthew 25, 31-45 comes to mind. The sheep and the goats. And then there is the defeat of Satan and all the powers of evil. Revelation 20. And then there is the glorious images, the glorious truth, the foretelling of the resurrection of those in Christ. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 15. Where we who are in Christ, when we die, our souls go to be with God in heaven. But when Christ returns on that glorious day, that great getting up morning, souls, our souls, re-embodied with new resurrection bodies, no longer subject to decay or death or sin, just like the resurrected body of our Lord. And on that day, 1 John 3 verse 2 says, we will see Him and we will be like Him. Because we will see Him as He is. And creation itself will be redeemed. Romans 8, verses 18 through 25 say. The the image from Isaiah 65 of the wolf and the lamb feeding together will come true. Creation will be at peace. Revelation 21, 
speaks of the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. And heaven and earth will be one and all will be as God dreams it, wills it to be. And until that day, we in the power of the Holy Spirit are called to give witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, inviting people to follow Jesus with us, living out the gospel, living out the kingdom, pointing toward that day when God's will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This passage speaks of God's perfect timing, calls us to reflect on all that Jesus did and said and suffered and upon His resurrection and His ascension, but also points us ahead when Jesus will return and make all things new and complete fully, help us to fully experience His redemptive work. Notice that the disciples really don't get it. They say, is this the time? When is the time? Uh, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking smaller terms. Jesus is thinking cosmic terms. Jesus is very patient. He doesn't say, this is not about you. But he says, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. Not quite sure how this happens, but every couple of years or so, some preacher somewhere will stand up and say, Jesus is going to return on July 22nd, such and such a year. Uh, this happened most recently a couple of years ago, and, and the preacher usually draws some attention, uh, creates some anxiety for many within the church, a lot of ridicule from outside the church. And the last time this happened, I was walking through the neighborhood, a neighbor, uh, it was like the day before this prediction was supposed to happen, and the neighbor said, are we going to be here tomorrow? She's a very sincere Christian. And so I simply pointed to the fact, well, Jesus in Mark 13 says he doesn't know when it's going to happen. I think if Jesus doesn't know, it's a safe bet we don't know either. But I also could have pointed her to this passage which says, it is not for you, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. Jesus in other places says we are to watch and wait and be ready, but he, He's telling us don't focus on when. Focus on who and focus on being about the business that He has given us. To worship, to witness, to work for the kingdom. To do the things that we're talking about in this vision process that we're in as a church. We haven't finalized the statements yet or the taglines. There will probably be a little bit of tweaking here and there, but it's, we're far enough along for me to talk about them from the pulpit. Don't worry about the win. Focus on helping people become like Jesus. Focus on loving one another unconditionally. Focus on worshiping God wholeheartedly. Focus on helping people meet Jesus, as one of our statements says. Focus on loving this hurting world and loving the hurting people around us. This is what we are to be about. And we are to be about it, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we have a look back, remember, reflect on, immerse yourself in the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. Look ahead to all that God will do when Christ returns. Don't worry about when it's going to happen. Just be about the business. Being the people that God has called you to be. 
and doing what He wants you to do. But then there's also this wonderful element of the present, not just the work that we do, a wonderful element of the present time in this passage that we get to understand through a particular place, the place where Jesus is. That brings us to the ascension. Why is it that Jesus, 40 days after His resurrection, ascends to be with the Father in heaven? The text says that during that 40 days, He shows many convincing proofs to the disciple that He is the risen Lord. Many convincing proofs. That means he doesn't, He's not with them 24-7 during that time. He, he shows up in ways that they cannot predict. He will appear when they least expect it. And during those 40 days, he proves to them that he is the risen Lord. And he could have continued to prove himself to us in our own day, in, in the centuries before, showing up at various times as the risen Lord. But as we discussed last year on Ascension Sunday, if he did that, all we would do would wait for his next appearance. Or we try to predict where it would come from. Or where that appearance did happen... We would go to that spot and focus all our attention on that. Instead, Jesus chooses not to show Himself by convincing proofs as the risen Lord, but to ascend to heaven so that from heaven He and the Father could send to us the Holy Spirit. So that Jesus would appear to us not apart from us, but He would come close to us inside of us. If we are followers of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, Jesus lives in you and in me. But there's more to this ascension business of, of being in heaven. Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father. There He lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews talks about and Romans chapter 8 speaks of Jesus at this very moment as the ascended Lord in heaven at the right hand of the Father prays for you and praise for me. And praise for the world. Instead of just appearing here and now to blow us away in amazement, Jesus instead chooses to be our advocate always. Praying for us and praying for the world. That's what the ascension is all about. One of the many things that it's all about. But but we celebrate today Jesus ascending to be in heaven with the Father because in doing so He sends the Spirit and He goes to the place where He prays for us. Let's make one note of, uh, of what this ascension actually might look like. Uh, verse 9, when He had said this, as they were watching, He was lifted up and a cloud took Him out of their sight. If you're reading from the Pew Bible, the NIV Bible, it speaks of a cloud hid Him. Uh, and then the King James Version talks about a cloud receiving him. It, it's not as if Jesus gets on a cloud and rides it all the way up to heaven into space and as far as we possibly go, far beyond any uh, human telescope could see. It's that image of being hid by the cloud, of being received by the cloud, that reminds us that heaven is, is simply another dimension that we cannot see but is just as real as the reality in which we live in now, where Jesus enters as the risen Lord to pray for us and for the world, where Ella Poindexter, whose life we celebrated yesterday at her funeral memorial service, abides her soul even now, where all of our loved ones, our mothers and others who have gone before us, abide even now. That, that different reality that's just as real as this one, 
for the saints praise the Lord and Jesus prays for us. We celebrate that this Ascension Sunday. We look back to all that Jesus has done and said through His life, death, and resurrection. We look forward when He will come again. And in the present, we live in the power of the Spirit doing what He calls us to do, be who he, becoming who He calls us to be, knowing that Jesus prays for us always. Which then brings us finally to the focus of the entire passage to the focus of every sermon, to the focus of every worship service, to the focus of our lives. And that focus is Jesus. Yes, this passage talks about what we are to do in Jesus, what He is to do through us and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that is crucial. We are to be about the Savior's work. But to do that well, we first do the ultimate thing, the most important thing, to recognize how wonderful Jesus is, to bask in His love, to rest in His love, to praise Him for His love, to praise the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit for creation and redemption, for life that is abundant, for life is eternal in our worship, in our lives. We give ourselves to God. We live by the Holy Spirit. We celebrate how wonderful Jesus truly is. Coming home from church, our family was discussing the day. Mom asks, little boy, little son, tell me what was Sunday school like today? What did you learn in Sunday school? What did you do in Sunday school? And they were new to the church. They were just finding their way around. And the little boy said to his mother and said to his father, you know, I think my Sunday school teacher must be Jesus' grandmother. <laughs> All she did the whole time was hold up Jesus' picture and talk about how wonderful. <laughs> how wonderful He is. So it is true. Jesus is wonderful. And He's shown it through His life, death, resurrection, and ascension. He'll come back to show us again. Right now, the ascended Lord, having sent the Holy Spirit with the Father, prays for you and me and all the world. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, on this Ascension Sunday we give you thanks. For all that Jesus is, for who He is, the praying that He does for us even now. We crown Him with many crowns. We offer our praise. We offer our lives. And we give You thanks. In His name we pray. Amen.